This is Meditations for Misfits. I'm Fred Gruy. In June of 2014, my friend Mark Iaconelli invited myself and five other local folks to a storytelling event called The Hearth, where we would share true stories from our lives around the theme of visiting the land of crazy. Here's a recording of my story on that evening. Hi. So I would say, like Renee, I too have learned that sometimes uh, the road to freedom goes through the land of crazy. I, uh, I've always been somewhat of a perfectionist, which is in the same zip code with crazy. And much of my life I've tried to please a lot of folks and I probably need therapy to figure out why, as if that would make me change. But um, one night, early in my training to be a chaplain, uh, I sort of went over the brink. Uh, I had gotten a one-year residency uh, as a chaplain at a big uh, inner-city trauma center in St. Louis, Missouri. And the way my work schedule was, I would work. Uh, there were actually eight other chaplains working in the hospital. It was a Catholic hospital, so chaplains were kind of important. And uh, I would work Monday through Wednesday, nine to five, and then Thursdays I would work from nine in the morning until seven o'clock Friday morning. I was the on-call chaplain Thursday evenings from five o'clock until seven the next morning. After all the other chaplains had gone, I was the only one in the hospital. And uh, so that was my normal work week, and then I would be off the rest of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it was early in my training, and I really wanted to do a good job and, and, and please my supervisor and my boss and the other chaplains, and God knows everybody. So um, it was one Thursday night early on, as I say, and everybody had left, and I was all alone, and the phone rang up in the chaplain office, which is in the high tower of the, of the, of the hospital. And uh, I could tell it was an outside line and it was long distance. And I answered the phone. And the lady that was talking had a very, very southern accent. And I could sort of make out that she needed help getting some hair. And I thought, well, she's an out-of-towner looking for a beauty parlor. And I don't know how I got the call. But as my ear sort of tuned into the frequency of her accent, I realized what she was asking was that a former boyfriend of hers had died earlier that day in our hospital, and he had been a prisoner and had hung himself, and they had brought him to the hospital uh, to try to revive him in vain, and, and they were unable to do so. And she needed some hair so that she could prove her son's paternity and he could get social the son could get social security benefits but prior to the hanging of himself the gentleman had shaved his head and so she was asking in this very southern accent if i would go get some of his pubic hair to send to her so that she could verify her son's paternity to get social security Ma'am, ma'am, I am 
my resident chaplain, and I'm a chaplain, and, and I was trying to explain that chaplains don't recover pubic hair from their bodies. And, and she goes, well, you're a minister, aren't you? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she says, well, you're supposed to help people, aren't you? And I thought, oh, God. And, and so I looked up for some inspiration to try to explain to this woman. And one of the crazy chaplains at the hospital had put in the pithy little sign above the telephone that said, what would Jesus do? <laughs> and I realized Jesus would go get the damn killer. So I told the lady, I said, look, I'll, I'll see what I can do and I'll call you back. So I realized I needed to go to the hospital morgue which is really like a big freezer uh, where you just put bodies of folks that have died temporarily until the funeral home or the coroner comes to pick them up. And so I, I thought, well, I better get down to the morgue to see what I can do. But I was going to stop first by the hospital operator to give a brief tutorial on what calls do and do not get sent to the chaplain's office in the evening. So as I'm heading that way, the pager went off, and there was a call from the emergency department that synchronicity or whatever, simultaneously, another lady had shown up whose son had died earlier that day at the hospital as well, and she and her two sisters had come to view his body. And so the emergency department said, you need to get down here and escort these folks down to the morgue so they can see their son. And so I went to gather them. I figured I'm on the way. Now, the morgue is in the basement of the hospital. And it was just creepy. I mean, it was stone walls that had never been painted. It was like a little tunnel with bare light bulbs hanging from the ceiling. I mean, it was just creepy. And, and after hours, the morgue was not available to people, so I had to call security to get a security guard down to open the door of the morgue so I could take these ladies in to find their son and see him before he went to the funeral home. And, and then also on my other errand in search of the pubic hair aforementioned. So we're going down the hallway, and we get to the vault, and, and, the, and the mother of the guy that I'm trying to find, the mother with the two sisters, the mother's in a wheelchair. So I'm pushing the wheelchair. I've got the two sisters with the security guard who's just kind of freaked out. We get in there, and I tell the ladies, all right, ladies, you're going to need to wait in the hallway for just a moment so we can go get your son because it's really just sort of a big freezer in there, and there's several bodies, and we want to find your son and bring him into the ante room so you can see him and, and, and say your farewell. So they said, okay. So we go in, the security guard and I, into the morgue room, and he shuts the vault door, and he looks at me and goes, this place gives me the creeps. <laughs> so we go into the freezer-like area, and there's four or five bodies in there. And, and I mean, they're all in full black bags, and there's little white toe kind of tags with names, and we find the gentleman that we're looking for. And the security guard says, look, I've done this before. Here's what you got to do. You just zip the bag down under the chin. All they need to see is the face. They don't need to see anything else. Just zip it down under the chin. We'll wheel the gurney out with this gentleman out to the ante room. Let him come in. Get him out. We'll get out of here. I said, all right. So, but this was a very large man. He was probably six foot five, 280 to 300 pounds, 
on this gurney. So it took all of our strength, the, the security guard and myself, to wheel the gurney into the ante room. So we get it out there, the secu security guard's going to the door to open the door to let the ladies in, and then I say, wait a minute, wait a minute, mom's in a wheelchair. Let's lower the gurney so she can see him without having to try to get up. Now, I, unfortunately, had not been there for gurney lowering instruction gurney, but I figured, how hard can this be? And so I just put my foot on the, the lever, and instantly the gurney went into like a 45-degree angle, with the dead man's feet going to the ceiling, his head coming towards me, and I'm looking at 300 pounds of dead flesh heading my way. The security guard grabs the guy's feet and screams at the top of his lungs, you better get this thing level quick, because all the blood's going to rush to his head and it's going to pop like a pimple. Now, the next thing I hear is the shriek of three female voices on the other side of the vault-like door. Well, finally, we wrestled the thing to get level, and we got it down, and we got the ladies in, and Mom was able to say goodbye to her son, and the rest of the farewell went off without a hitch. <laughs> Fortunately, that night, in the morgue, I discovered there is a God in heaven. The gentleman with the highly sought-after pubic hair had already been picked up by the coroner's office. And so now the lady I was going to have to call down in the south could call the coroner's office and get her pubic hair to prove her son's paternity, and I would not have to do that. And so as I'm walking the ladies back down the hallway out of the morgue, I realize, you know, so much of my life I, I, I drive myself crazy trying to make people happy, please everybody. And I realized that night, in the lunacy of all that, I'm just a scared little man on a great big planet, trying to do the best I can. And somehow I just got a little freer that night in the morgue. <laughs>Thanks so much for allowing me to uh, share these few moments with you on your journey today. As always, if you'd like to contact me, my email address is fred at fredgruy.com. And in conclusion, I'd like to share with you a wonderful line from one of my favorite writers, Anne Lamott, who says, Now a person's faults are largely what make him or her likable. <laughs>